Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Being vulnerable isn't me telling you the same insecurity 10 times a day. That's not <laughs> vulnerability. That's dumping. I'm making you responsible for, for my emotional state every time I feel it. That's not the same thing as vulnerability. Vulnerability is I'm insecure about this. I'm just making you aware. This is where it gets really, like, it's complicated, but it's not complicated. And that's really what I want to talk to you about is yeah. that the phrase, he's just not that into you. When right. that phrase came out, me and my husband had this big, massive debate about that phrase. Because he was like, yes, like, if you're wondering why he's not making a move, he's just not that into you. It's as simple as. And what I came back as like, but sometimes you say it's as simple as, and other times it's not because you're giving me signals. You're telling me you want to be with me. Sometimes you are, but then you disappear again. Mm -hmm. And so it seems like it's very messy. It's very intertwined with messaging and signals on both sides. I'm not actually saying just for men. It's also the women, I'm sure. Um, so how do we know when something isn't that complicated and it is exactly how they say? And other times it's actually way more complicated and there's this whole underlying message that maybe we're trying to read into or want to read into. Hmm. How do we decipher those things? Life can be complicated. And sometimes people will come up with all sorts of logical reasons why they can't invest right now, why they need to take a break, why they, you know, whatever logistical difficulties there are in the two of you being together, you're far apart, you, that person runs their own business and they haven't got much time, whatever it may be. They may be giving you logically sound reasons as to why it's, they're not able to give you what you want or why they would be doing this, but and then what happens is people get entangled in all of that logic. And I think the way to simplify that and make it uncomplicated is simply to say, whether or not this logic is true is not for me to figure out. So many women take on the problem. You tell me it can't work out because of these reasons. And I see a problem to solve. So they'll go, so you're saying that we can't be together because of because you're really busy with work. Well, listen, I could do this and you could do that and we could find time on weekends. We could like they start trying to solve the problem. And part of that is because they've created an expectation in their mind for what this could be. Right. We have a story. Story is very dangerous. <laughs> right. Because instead of watching in a relationship or dating scenario, instead of watching a story unfold, we've created the story before it's happened. People do this before they even get on a first date, right? They, they, you, you see some, someone asks you out, you start talking to someone and then you look them up on Instagram and, oh, wow. Oh, they're really cool. Oh, they're impressive. Oh, they seem nice too. Oh, they have family and they're close to those people and like they have a good life. And wow, this is exactly the kind of person I want. I think you, me and this person could really have some. You haven't even been on a <laughs> date with them yet. Right, so now what happens right. is our mind takes the 5% of what we know and uses it to build a story for the next 
So now, how do, you, how do we get so damaged, so hurt, so heartbroken, so quickly? That's something that we're, like, sometimes I think we shock ourselves. Think, Am I an insane person? I've been on one date with this person, and I feel like I'm, an ex I'm experiencing a mini heartbreak because they didn't get back to me. What's happening here? What's happening is we created a story that hasn't been earned yet. Why do we do that, though? Because we want it. On one hand, we want it. We want it to happen. We're a biased judge of the situation. We can't be trusted. Right? We, we want it to happen. So we're trying to find any evidence for that story that we're looking to create. I want to find the love of my life. I want to see someone as perfect. I want to... So we're looking for evidence of that. So we start filling in the gaps. And our brains, it's not like we do this consciously, but our brains make so many calculations. And we do it in the other direction too. We do it, you know, if, if we've got insecurities and someone goes out one night and they don't text us for an hour or two, who are they talking to? They're, talk they're at that party, you know, and, and I knew they were gonna go to that party, but now that they've not texted me for a couple of hours, they're talking to someone attractive. I wonder if they're flirting. Maybe that, I think they're flirting. Two and a half hours, they still haven't texted me? What the hell? Now we start building up a, a, a story, right? And we create this reaction. I heard a beautiful thing the other day, which is if, it's, if the reaction is hysterical, then it's historical, <laughs> right? Then, then it comes from our trauma, our wounds, our history, the beliefs that have yes. accumulated over time. So now what we're reacting to is not the situation, but our past. The situation is simply the thing that aggravated our past. And now we create a story about the future based on that. Yes. So instead of going in with a curiosity, we go in with a conclusion. Ooh. So I need to slow down the story that's happening. This supercomputer is amazing, but it's also extremely dangerous because it is creating a story at a rate that is unbelievable. And the way that you slow down that story is that you start valuing a different thing. Instead of valuing potential, you start valuing the work that's actually happening in real time. There are, I always say there's four stages of importance in any relationship or potential relationship between two people. The first stage is just admiration, right? That's where I look at you, this person's beautiful, this person's intelligent, this person's, they've got all sorts of qualities that I really want in a person, admiration. Now, that doesn't mean there's any kind of back and forth. By the way, you can have that for someone you've never met, someone you saw online, right? But you have a level of admiration. That's the first stage of importance, clearly not very important. Although even there, people put a ton of importance on it. I found someone I like. <laughs> it's you so true. You found a person. Hmm. You found a person. But it isn't doesn't... it also good to be excited? You can be excited, okay. but about the right thing. You could be excited hmm. that you think someone's awesome, but not about what you have together yet because mm -hmm. you have nothing together. Right, right. So admiration is the first stage. The second stage is connection, or you could say connection, connection or chemistry or both. That's where we have a kind of mutual admiration. There's some connection, there's some chemistry, there's something that's an exchange between us where we both feel something. Again, not very important because you can feel it with a lot of people and that it's no indicator of investment, right? It, that, and this is where people get real caught up. Women tell me the most horrific stories about 
who a guy is, about how little he invests, about how much he's disrespectful. But we have such a great connection, Matt. Mm -hmm. Listen, our connection, like that's the thing. And they want me to buy into this idea that stage two is super important. But I don't, because I know it's not. The third stage is commitment. The third stage is there's admiration, there's mutual connection or chemistry, and there's a yes. You and I have actually said yes to each other. You want to be with me? Yeah? I want to be with you. Okay, we're doing this. Now there's an actual connect, uh, commitment. That's beautiful. Now we're into something important. But there's a fourth stage, and the fourth stage is compatibility. Beyond chemistry, beyond connection, beyond us both saying yes, there also needs to be compatibility in the way we want to live our lives, in the stage of our lives that we're in. Do they work? You know, you, you, this is why one of the reasons that relationships with, with big age gaps can struggle. They can work, but they also struggle because you've got two people often in very different stages of their lives and there's a compatibility issue there. Even though there's connection and chemistry and even though they're both saying yes, now you have the problem of compatibility issues. Or you have the problem of compatibility issues because one person you know, their idea of a good time is going out and drinking every night of the week. And another person's idea is, you know, to go on hikes and to, you know, be healthy and to, they value the morning, the other person values the night. So now you have a compatibility issue. And there are many relationships that end not on the fact that they haven't said yes to each other, but on the fact that they're not compatible. And we always want to believe that, you know, love is all you need, right? <laughs> we want to believe that, that if we just love each other enough, but actually the many, many people have experienced in their lives, the cold hard truth is that you need two people who also work together. And so the reason I say all of this about these four stages, and to give you one more kind of metaphor for this, because it's important that, you know, when you meet someone on a date, that's like, that's like discovering that, and you both like each other, that's like discovering a great plot of land. It has potential, but there's nothing to mourn over right now. And when two people decide we're going to start investing, that's like two builders who start building a castle on that land. They start building whatever their castle is, you know, but they start building this amazing thing, this amazing investment on this land and it becomes theirs, it becomes ornate and unique and there are secret rooms no one else knows about and there are, you know, all these details that are the fabric and the colors and the textures of their relationship that makes it uniquely theirs, right? There's many ways to build, but this one is theirs. And that's what makes it special. People are not valuing the castle, they're valuing the connection. Mm -hmm. They're not valuing stages one through four together, they're valuing stage two or stage one. Just, I just admire this person or I just have a connection with this person. And when we start valuing the castle over the connection, we'll start unwinding the story that's gotten too far ahead because we'll realize that story we have on the date where our mind has gone way too far and that's by the way why we get so nervous is because the story is already happening in our mind and now we're getting nervous on why am I so nervous on this date it's okay to have a little bit of nerves but why am I like now paralyzed <laughs> I can't be funny I'm not charming I'm not telling any interesting stories I'm just frozen why am I that nervous because I've gone way into the future as if the castle's already been built, when actually all it is is a fantasy set of blueprints right now. Wow, that's so on point and so beautifully said. Um, 
And I agree with it 100%. And then actually, one thing I wanted to ask you is, do you think that we need to maintain all of those steps throughout our relationship? So always maintaining the attraction, the commitment. Um, well, and the, and, and the compatibility. I think that yes. there's, in any relationship, it's, you know, anytime I post something that suggests that you could, you should continue in your relationship working to impress your partner. Mm. I get backlash. Yeah. Every time. Oh my God, it's just, why does it have to be so much work? And I always think, what world are you living in where things aren't work? I don't know what this is. I have a company. I've had that company for the last 14 years. I know that the day I stop caring about it, is the day that it will start losing its value. Now, maybe I find somebody else to be the custodian of it and to take care of it and they love it as much as I do and fine. But when someone stops giving it love, it will begin its death, its slow decline. That's true of our bodies. Why isn't it true of our relationships? And part of people's frustration is that they are really deeply unhappy with what they're getting, but they haven't found the courage to go find something else or to value themselves more. So there's a deep-seated frustration at, at being in, a, in an untenable position mm. where they also don't have the courage to move or the, or the deep self-worth to move, to go do something else. So now I'm... I'm Every day I'm going through this slow torture. Can't, don't want to leave, but I'm not getting what I want here. I've invested too much time. I've invested too much energy. I've, and that, that's where the sunk cost right. bias comes in. I've spent all this time. I've spent, and then they do what I call the one day wager. Yeah, you know, one day, one is. day, someone will become what I want them to be. He says he doesn't want to commit right now. He says he doesn't want kids. He says... But one day, you know, he never has time for me. It's all business. He never has time. But one day, you have to assume that who they are today is who they'll be. And you're thinking five years from now, they're going to be a completely different person. And that's the thing you're, you're banking on for your happiness. That's the one day wager. God, I love that so much. I want to ask you something because you were saying about someone, you know, people saying, I don't want to commit or I'm not interested. How do you know when something's actually true or not true? Because you did a video that basically was like when a guy, you know, when you're at dinner on a first date or something, and the guy says to you like, oh, so how come you're not, you know, how come you're single? And yeah. then you give examples of what they really mean. And at the end, you <laughs> end it on... Yeah, I'm not looking for a really uh, a serious relationship. And the takeaway is he actually means that. Right. So how, right. On, <laughs> right? Like even what you were saying, like, but one day he will, one day he will. How do you I'm going to tell you, you're going to love this. Okay, please. You're going to absolutely love this. And by the way, for anyone who wants to watch that video, it's called What He Means Versus What He Says. <laughs> and it's on my YouTube channel. Um, here's the rule. If someone is telling you something that would make their life more difficult to tell you, then it's probably true. Mm -hmm. We'll say all sorts of things in service of our pitch. 
right? What's the pitch in dating? For a lot of guys, what's the pitch? The pitch is, I would like to sleep with you. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right? a pitch. That's, that's what I'd true. like to yeah. happen. I'd like for us to sleep together. And if I like you enough, I'd like for us to have something more or whatever. But right now we're on a date. I find you attractive. So anything someone says that helps their pitch, we don't know enough right now. All we know is we don't know enough to distrust them either. All we know is that just that, you know, I, I could take at face value what you're telling me right now, but that doesn't mean that after one day I'd make a whole bunch of decisions in my life based on this moment. I, I take you at your word right now, but I'll also see how this unfolds and whether it goes in that direction. And by the way, that's generally general principle for anything, right? But if someone is telling you something that isn't good for their pitch, that means it took some effort to say. That means it really took a lot of, you know, act, what Sean Aker calls activation energy and the happiness advantage. It takes a lot of activation energy to do that. At the end of a pharmaceutical ad, no pharmaceutical company wants to put all of those disclaimers, you know, such and such that we've just, you know, shown you pictures. Of, we've just shown you footage of old people skipping around a meadow, able to run and jump and dance and sing again. Uh, but also reminder, this may, may make you, you so depressed, you'll kill yourself. <laughs> yeah. Right. No one wants to put that part in the ad. If they had the choice, <laughs> they wouldn't put that in the ad. So you know the part you can trust, if nothing else. I may not be able to trust everything you're saying this drug can do, but what I can trust <laughs> is these side effects that you're saying it might give me. I know that because you didn't want to tell me that, and you told me that. So when a guy on a date says, I'm not looking for anything serious, you can trust that he's either I definitely not looking for something serious, or he thinks that there's a very good chance that he's gonna end up hurting you because he's done it a bunch of times in the past and he's kind of sick of being called the villain for leading people on. And so now he's establishing very quickly, I wanna see you again. And by the way, that doesn't make him a bad person. Right. It makes him more honest than most. But it, when he says that, he's saying, I don't wanna be the villain again. And I don't want you to keep going thinking this is going to go somewhere. So just so you know, probably it's not. When he says that, you can trust it because it doesn't help him sleep with you. <laughs> it true. doesn't make it more likely you're going to sleep with him tonight when he says, I probably won't call. So those things, when someone says something that hurts their pitch, that hurts their motives, that hurts their end game, you can believe that part. That's so strong. Oh my God, I love that so much. Um, give me a couple of the things that you can trust that a guy does or signals that a guy does that shows you they actually do like you. Well, you can look. How much is this person truly interested in me? Mm. Are they asking me, are they genuinely curious about me, my values, what I like, what I don't like, what I'm into? Because that's a sign not only that he's taking the emphasis off of himself. It's easy. You, any, anyone who's achieved anything can sit there and talk about all of they've achieved and reel off their stories mm -hmm. about how, you know, this hard time in my life and this thing and that thing. 
That's not a bad thing, but it doesn't tell you that they're genuinely curious about you. And when someone has real intention in dating, they are looking for a real match. They're not looking for you to be, they want you to be impressed, of course. I got to secure the deal. I got to land the account. <laughs> but is it the right account? Yeah. Do I actually want this person? Is this the right person for a relationship? When someone is being intentional about dating, they are asking intentional questions mm -hmm. about who you are and what you're all about because they're trying to figure out, is that I'm trying to use my time wisely right now. Is this someone I want to invest more in? So that's one of the things to look for if you're looking for someone intentional. Right. Um, and, and again, look for those moments where someone actually invests. Are they willing to come to my part of town? Mm. Or is it always about coming to, is it always the thing with the lowest activation energy for them? Are they making any kind of a sacrifice? Is the, is the effort equal? When I look at our text message chains, you know, are they, are they actually equal? Or is it, or am I in the blue? Where <laughs> it's like big chunks of blue and then a little line of gray where they That's gave amazing. me a quick response. You have to look at these things because these are the things that tell you, you know, oh, there's, there's a genuine back and forth of investment. Yeah, oh God, I so wish I would have found you when I was 16, because I was definitely that person that would go on a date and say, oh, he said he liked me. He said he was gonna call me back. So I would just take them for, for their word. Yeah. And I love you did a post where you laid out like, look, if they wanna go to the movies after sex, it means they're interested. Right. If they call you when they've had a shitty day and they call you to tell you about yeah. their day. Yeah. But also reading into, okay, going back to even what you said right at the beginning, does their actions align with their words? And as you say, it's not, it's not about like, we have this, we have this real, idea of like heroes and villains that yeah, we need to let go yeah. of that it's not it's not about that it's just there are some really terrible guys out there there are but a lot of people they're not their intentions aren't bad they're just different from yours and one of the mistakes i see people make a lot like i don't think men have a reputation for being liars i think most, some men are pathological liars and a lot of men aren't liars, they're just great avoiders. Mm. They, they don't bring up the thing that's mm. unhelpful to bring up. They don't bring up the thing that's inconvenient or that would be painful to have a conversation about. And the reason I make that distinction is because a liar, you'll ask them a question and they'll tell you a lie. An avoider mm. will avoid the conversation, but when you ask the question, you'll often get truth. And so people have to be brave enough. And, and this is for anyone, but if we're talking about women, women have to be brave enough to ask questions that they're afraid of the answers to. But your fear of the answer is gonna put you in the way of so much more pain than the pain of the answer you're afraid of. Because now you have a woman who's a year in, two years in, three years in, and continuing with this situation that is meeting some needs, but not nearly enough to feed her soul, to make her happy, to, to nourish her. And she's now not asking the question anymore because it becomes higher and higher stakes. 
it gets more and more scary to ask because the answer might now show me the last three years of my life were energy misdirected towards a person who shouldn't have had that energy. And he's not having the conversation because, I mean, it's easier for him not to, right? And he can claim ignorance because mm -hmm. she's not asking me and I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing anything technically mm -hmm. wrong. I'm, I don't see us as long-term. I don't see us as ever having a family. I don't see us as ever moving in together. I don't see this as the great relationship of my life. But she's not asking. So let's just keep enjoying ourselves, right? So you, you now have this complicit kind of toxic situation between two people. And it may not be toxic in the sense that they're butting heads mm. or that they're having a bad time. They could be having the best time ever. And that's the problem. They're having the greatest time. And that's fine. You can just have a great time. But when you know that you're telling yourself you're having a great time, but there is deep insecurity in you, because ultimately you have no idea if this is if you two are actually on the same path here. Now you begin conning yourself. And now that great time that you have and that connection that you have, the stage two, mm -hmm. that becomes the great kind of the blanket we put over everything to hide what's underneath, which is that you and I have very different ideas about where this is going. I want a family and you don't. I know I want to marry you and you are seeing this as just something nice for this point in your life. We have to have the courage to ask those difficult questions, to say to someone, and it doesn't have to be aggressive. It could be very loving, it can be extremely compassionate, extremely kind. How do you see this? You know, I really like you. Or, you know I love you. You know I'm in love with you. And that makes me excited about what we could have, but not if we're not on the same page. Where, you know, where do you stand with it? Or if it's earlier in dating and you're trying to figure out, you know, you don't even know if you're exclusive or not. Hey, I really like you and I want to give my attention to you. I have other people asking me out and right now I don't really know what to tell them. And I don't mean to make things heavy, but I just want to know if like you feel the same way because right now I'm in a mode where I just want to give my attention to you and I, I would rather say to people, no, I'm, I'm seeing somebody. How do you feel about it? It's a loving, compassionate way to bring it up. It's also, there's a little, there's some, there's some stuff going on there too because even though it's, it's honest, right? There will be other people asking you out and yeah. you don't know what to tell them. Yeah. But you're also introducing an element of like, I, you know, I'm not gonna be around forever. Right. Um, so that is, and I, I always say to people, be kind in your tone, but ruthless in your actions. Be kind in your tone, but ruthless in your actions. Kind in your tone is I'm gonna be loving and compassionate. I'm not gonna compromise how great I am and the beautiful energy that I have by having like, a diff, like a, an angry conversation with you about this. I'm gonna be super kind and loving and I care about you too. So I'm gonna, I want the best for you too. But I know that I'm gonna be, if you tell me that we're not on the same page, then I'm gonna be ruthless in my response to that. Not in my tone, but in my response, which is to find a path that's better for me and to not indulge something that is making me unhappy or not worthy of my time. Yeah. Actually, to me, I realized in my relationship, it's worse for me to wonder mm -hmm. than to ask and actually get the truth. And the reason being is that at least 
even if the truth stings more, I can do something about it or choose to not do something about it. But at least I know. The wondering to me is there's no end in sight. There is no release valve. So I'm such an advocate for asking the hard questions. So much to the point that me and my husband wrote, I think it's a list of like 20 questions and it's all to have ease. So towards the bottom, it gets very wow. hard to ask each other the questions. And if anyone's watching one, they can click on the link below. I'm sure we'll put the link in. Um, but like the second to last question, maybe the last question is, what did you want in a partner that I don't have? And another question wow. is, what did I, because me and my husband have been together for a such long time. Such a brave so, question. Such a brave question. And then the other question, because we've been together for a long time, it was, what was I, did I used to do for you, but don't do for you now that you wish I did? Wow. What a powerful question. You have to go in with just emotionally sober, right? That's an amazing question. I love that question. Thank That's an amazing you. question. And we answered it honestly. And his answer was, I used to take care of him. I was a housewife for eight years and yeah. you know, before I was in business and I used to put his clothes out for him every day and I used to make him food every day. And he was like, yeah, I really loved that. He's like, I understand why you don't do it. So he's not saying you should do this now, but he's like, you've asked me the honest question. Mm-hmm. What do I wish I still had? It was that you would take care of me like you used to. And so it didn't mean I had to act on it. Instead of pushing back or making him feel badly about it or feeling badly about it, mm. I recognize it's a choice I've made. So I've made, to not, I've made the choice to not do that. I've made the choice to be a, into business. But actually, if that's something that's really important to him, is there a, a wiggle room for me? Is there something that I'm just not seeing here? So now what I do is every weekend, I cook him his favorite meals. That's lovely, wow. And so now I've heard the answer I'm not gonna do it. Like I didn't go, oh, okay, well in that case, babe, I'm gonna quit everything and just go back to what I used to be. But I heard him. But it gives you, you know, without returning to that lifestyle and that dynamic, it also does give you a tool. It gives you a superpower. Yes. Because knowing that that has a profound effect when it's done is like now you could turn on that superpower at any time if you wanted to, on your terms. But it's to know what someone's buttons are, to know what our partners, like those attraction switches are, or to know what those love switches are, is really, really powerful. Yeah. And the answer is the hard question, the, the, the uncomfortable conversation lasts an hour, yeah. maybe five minutes. The knowledge, the answer you have for the rest of your relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like even approaching conversations with the word, look, this is actually really uncomfortable for me to say, ask, mm. whatever. Um, but so bear with me for a second. Like I kind of do do these caveats so that, yeah. because I just put myself in that person's shoes. If they were approaching me like that, you would have empathy and openness to listen to what they have to say, even if what they say is hard to hear. And the humility of saying, is there anything from your perspective that you want me to work on? Or is there anything that I'm not, you know, here's the thing I need to bring up with you, but I also want to know if there's anything, like if there's a way that I'm not showing up in the way that you would like, I, I want to hear that too. And that's a hard thing. It's, e- it's very easy for us to go and say something we don't like, but to also invite them mm-hmm. to the table to have an equal say about what they don't like, that's the hard part. And I think when we do that, we're showing, we're not coming from a place of, uh, of, 
a pedestal where it's, you're doing everything wrong, but it's actually, we're a team. And also, you know, my, my father, Steve, he does, on my retreat program, he does an entire module on confrontation. And one of the really valuable lessons he talks about in that is this idea that what gives you the, the, the money in the bank to go and have a difficult conversation with someone is what you've been doing in the weeks leading up to it or the months leading up to it. That if I speak to one of my staff and I say, Dan, what you did yesterday really, really pissed me off. I'm so unhappy with it and I'm happy, unhappy with it for these reasons. If Dan has learned many times over that my intention is good with him, When you're working really hard to build the freaking amazing life and career that you want, it's sadly really easy to push your health needs to the back burner. And guys, listen, I totally get it because not all that long ago, that was me. I put everything into my business, everything into my goals and my family. And yep, I totally ignored my own health and wellness. And so I just learned the very hard way that putting your well-being first is actually the key to being a confident unfreaking stoppable badass in everything that you do. So, my homie, put yourself first and get mentally and physically strong with Aloe Moves, your go-to app for everything from meditation to yoga to strength training to hit and so much more. And I love how Allo Moves has such a wide variety of class types and levels to keep you motivated with whatever you need on your journey. No matter what your path is, it's time to make a move with Allo Moves. So right now, guys, you can go and get a free 30-day Allo Moves subscription by going to allomoves.com and use code WOI30. That's Allo, A-L-O, moves.com, code WOI30 in all caps. Allomoves.com, code WOI30, all caps. Now, we've all had that one friend who chimes in with the old adage, if it's right, it should be easy advice when we're having relationship problems. But from my experience, homie, that's not at all true. Whether it's romantic, friendships or professional, all relationships, all relationships require that you put the time and effort into growing and developing that relationship. And the best, most rewarding relationships happen when both people are willing to put in the freaking hard work to make that happen. I mean, that's certainly been mine and my husband of 21 years motto. So my homie, when you do actually face challenges in your relationship, therapy can be a great place to feel heard and work through it. And there's no easier or more convenient place to get started with therapy than with BetterHelp. Now, BetterHelp is 100% online and flexible to fit wherever and however crazy your schedule is because that's the important part that you can absolutely have better help navigate your current life with the bandwidth that you have and all you have to do is answer a few questions to get matched with the therapist that actually can best help you and be catered to you so guys become your own soulmate whether you're looking for one or not so go visit betterhelp.com slash women today to get 10% off your first month that's help H-E-L-P dot com slash women. That I take care of him, that I go out of my way to praise him, that I go out of my way to uh, help him. Then when I have that conversation, he knows it's not coming from a place of trying to wound him or say something. It's coming from a good place. Especially if afterwards I say, we've had the conversation, it's done, let's move on. 
that also, what I'm doing there is I'm setting up a productive conversation the next time there's something like that. Because I'm showing you that when we have one of these things, it's contained to this thing. And when it's done, it's done. When it's dealt with, it's dealt with. And you can expect that the next time I bring up something that I don't like. But someone understanding your intention and your kindness from what you do generally with them, that's what gives you the permission to go in with some with firmness in that moment when you need to say something you don't like. You have the credits in the bank mm -hmm. because of who you are the rest of the time. I love that, earning a reputation, right? Over time, your reputation will be what it is. And so if someone has, if multiple people are saying your reputation is you're really open and you're really honest and yeah. it's like, okay, the next time I say something, if it really hurts or stings, then just know that my reputation is that I'm open and honest and kind. Yeah. And so, I do that with Tom 100%. Like if he said something to me that I feel is disrespectful or hurtful or like, oh my God, I can't believe he said that. I just go to, okay, I've been with a man 20 years. What do I know about him? He loves me more than life itself. He's proven it time yes. and time and time and time yes. again. So why right now with that one thing that he said, does that eliminate 20 freaking years of him proving yep. that he actually cares about me and that he means good? And who he's been right. with you the whole time is what gives him the credits in the bank. Yes. That's what, when you have that conversation, you're able to weigh that up against the pain of that conversation and this wins. How do you spot potential red flags on someone that could potentially be toxic in a relationship? So let's say you're starting to date um, and you want to know the red flags so that you can identify them before you maybe then commit to them. So I suppose there's almost a distinction to make between toxic behavior and mismatches in investment because someone can be toxic there could be red flags that tell you that someone is really going to be poisonous for your life but then there could just be red flags that we are not on the same page okay it's yeah. not that they're toxic but our intentions are not the same what we're willing to put into this isn't the same so i think I suppose one that could fall into both categories is where someone's words don't match their actions. Can you give me an example? Well, you know when you you, you know when you go on a date with someone and uh, you know they start professing things, their their feelings for you, and you go, "How could you feel this so quick?" You know, like this is seems a lot, very quickly. You know, they're ready to write poetry for you after one date. They're they're ready to. You know, they tell you, oh my God, I've never met anyone like you. You're so incredible. You're... After, if someone's saying all of those things after one date, that's a bit of a red flag to me because they don't really know you. Mm. Whatever they're saying has to, in some part, be to do with their projection of you, what idea they have of you. Mm. I feel the same way when someone comes into an interview with me and they're you know, if they're trying to work for my company, but the way they interview is like, I will go to hell and back for you and I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll do that. And I've just, I, I am so excited to work for your company or whatever. And I'm like, but you haven't even asked me any questions about my company. Like, I know that you're saying this from what you think from the outside, but you don't know what it's like working on the inside of my company yet. So you don't even know necessarily how much you'll enjoy it. And and so I think that when someone is saying something that's not been earned yet by the point in relationship you're at, that is something of a red flag. So 
I think there's red flags in terms of, is this person saying things that aren't earned by how much time we've actually spent together and how much we've actually got to know each other? Because if they are doing that, it's probably not based on me, it's based on an idea they have of me or just a way they want to feel, a way they enjoy feeling. And maybe they've enjoyed feeling that way five times in the last year and they're, they're addicted to that rush, that feeling. Uh, and of course, you know, a classic sort of, I don't like to say trait of a narcissist. I prefer narcissistic leaning trait <laughs> because I think that narcissist is a word that's thrown around so mm-hmm. casually these days. Like everyone's a narcissist. I think there's a there's a narcissistic streak in all of us. You know, we're all we've all got some in self indulgence that rears its head, and we spend most of our lives trying to depart from that to be the best we can be, right? To try and be more giving or or be less focused on us all the time. I, I think we all have that that streak in us, some more than others, mm. and some are, you know, we can say are genuinely diagnosable as narcissists, but we, we're throwing it around way too casually. Do you think then labeling things toxic is now becoming a thing, just like narcissism, where we're labeling things in order to be able to dis- dismiss someone. Well, okay, so this, so that is, there's something that hits on the crux of it in what you just said. Some people are genuinely exhibit toxic behavior. I think sometimes it's dangerous to say someone's a toxic person. Right. They exhibit toxic behavior. And sometimes, like some of us exhibited toxic behavior in 2014 and not in 2015 because we were in a healthier place ourselves you know we've mm. most of us have probably had toxic moments in our life that's not excusing someone who's life. going through that i'm not saying you should put up with someone who's going through a phase where their energy is toxic but you know i think there needs to be some separation between labeling someone a toxic mm. person and saying the way they're behaving is toxic or the effect of their behavior is is toxic you could be with someone where every time you're vulnerable, every time you expose yourself, a weakness, a wound, something that's wrong, and you do it in the right way. I think there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And I'm a big believer in the idea that we often scare people off. You know, we have our favorite weapon. Some, when we're scared, when we're hurt, when we're wounded, we have our favorite weapon. Mm-hmm. Our favorite weapon could be passive aggression. Our favorite weapon could be the silent treatment. Our favorite weapon could be storming off. It could be attacking you. We all have our favorite weapon. And I think we often scare people off in relationships, not because of our wounds. We scare them off with our weapons. The problem is someone doesn't even see our wound because our weapon is so busy trying to like we're, Hide we're, the wound, right? Exactly. And really what's happening is this wound is screaming for attention, right? I, I, please heal me, give me attention, make me feel better. But we, we like to get that attention in ways that feel safe to us. So the reason we get passive aggressive is because if I can, if I can get sarcastic or if I can give you a little jab, if I, then I get attention but I get it in a way that feels safe because my wall is mm-hmm. still up. The problem is it doesn't help me with my wound because it doesn't help you get closer to me, which might help heal me. It doesn't help you know me better. And you'll spend so much, so much time trying to defend from my weapon that you can't ever actually step in and help heal my wound. And so what I would say to flip that is when you, are, when you get good at being vulnerable with your wounds, and do it in a classy way. And doing it in a classy way is bringing it to someone in the right way. Mm. And it's also bringing it with the right frequency. Mm. Being vulnerable isn't me telling you the same insecurity 10 times a day. 
That's not vulnerability, that's dumping. I'm making you responsible for, for my emotional state every time I feel it. That's not the same thing as vulnerability. Vulnerability is I'm insecure about this. I'm just making you aware. Ownership is the next 10 times I feel it today, I know you're already aware, so I don't need to tell you every time I feel it. That I, I have to do the work myself. That's where, that's where ownership comes in. So both ownership and vulnerability have to dance together. But when you feel wounded and you bring it up the right way, I would say toxicity is when being vulnerable only, when, when being vulnerable with a person hurts you more. Instead of soothes you. Yeah, when, when it actually inflames and aggravates and makes things much worse. When you're made to feel embarrassed, judged, humiliated, less than, unworthy for the vulnerabilities that you try to bring to the table. Then there's something that's broken about the way you relate to each other in the relationship. And that then can become extremely damaging. Um, where there's a difference in energy, where there's just a difference in effort, that's where people have to be very careful because that's where people start labeling, they're a narcissist. Well, okay, I get, there's different when someone has truly misled you. You know, mm -hmm. someone painted a picture of themselves as one person and then they turned out to be something completely different. That, by the way, can happen to any of us. And it has. If you've been dating long enough or been in business long enough, that's happened to you somewhere. 100%. So that's life. You know, people reveal who they are, not through their words, but through situations. And you have to, in order to really see who someone is, you have to see them in, in enough situations. Mm -hmm. So you, that doesn't mean distrusting something they say about themselves. Someone can tell you something about themselves and you go, that I, I take you at your word. Mm -hmm. But that's not the same as investing based on those words. You still allow someone to reveal themselves through their actions. But if you're finding that, ah, I'm really noticing that my energy is in a different place to somebody else's. I seem to be giving more than they're willing to give. Instead of allowing that to keep going and going and going and going and going to the point where you become so bitter and resentful at it that when they finally leave or it finally truly breaks down, they're a narcissist or they're a mm. terrible human being, Instead, we have to catch it, catch it early enough because this is a major red flag, right? Oh, it seems to me we're in like month one or, or we're in week four or we're in week eight or month three. And I still just feel like I'm willing to give to this more than the other person is. At that point, you have to notice that there's a gap. Do you think that that's a problem? Like, don't you think people should actually ask, am I willing to do this? Because sometimes some people may consciously say, yeah, I want this relationship so much that I want to give more than them? Or do you think that that's, it will never work in that situation? If you like, if you want it so much, you're willing to give more than them. Yeah. Well, here's where your feelings don't matter. Like, Go on. I'm so, I, I really, you know, like, I, I remember doing an interview once <laughs> with someone that had a t-shirt that said, your feelings are valid. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, are they? <laughs> Why? Explain like I that get, to me. I get the context that no, that's you're... used sometimes. Like sometimes if, for example, you're in a long-term relationship and your partner has an insecurity about something, right? Now that security may be unfounded. It may be irrational. 
They may be jealous about something that's nothing,、mm-hmm. but in a sense, their feelings are still valid. The rationale might not be valid. Ah,、mm-hmm. oh, all right. right. The like- rationale might be complete nonsense, and we've all got there. I mean, I, I, the number of arguments I've caused in relationships where a day later I'm like, "What was that? What did I do?" And I, I really think one of the big mistakes in relationships is assuming bad intention,、oh, where、yeah. it can be adequately explained by ignorance or <laughs> just someone not thinking, you know. But we go to the worst possible motive. You, you were trying to screw me over. You were trying, like you didn't care about me at all. Why do you, we jump to that? We're immediately rushing to confirm our worst suspicion, which is that. We are a wretched piece of shit、mm. that isn't lovable. It's, it's is like, that is that like out of like defense, kind of like protect your heart, so just assume I, the worst, so you don't. So when it like, happens, you're not disappointed. Perhaps, or perhaps it's just catastrophic thinking. Like you, you、mm-hmm. do something that that inflames uh, uh, my deepest. Fear, or can be connected to my deepest fear, and we're amazing storytellers、mm-hmm. as human beings. So we're very good at drawing these connections between things. We look for narrative. This fits my narrative that I'm not good enough for you. This fits my narrative that that people can't be trusted.、Mm-hmm. That if you're out, if you're, if I'm not in sight, you'll try to get away with murder. This fits. You know, if we have a narrative, we we will find these grains of. These these tiny granular actions that we can connect to that narrative, because it's 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 that immediate. I'm confirming my worst fear. I'm. This is, look, see evidence. It doesn't mean the thought is valid, but the feeling can be valid, right? So in that context, I believe feelings are valid. If you go into a relationship thinking my partner's feelings aren't valid, you're in trouble, <laughs> right? But. The reason when I see that T-shirt and it's like your feelings are valid, I cringe a bit. It's because I think of all the situations in which your feelings are incredibly dangerous, and one of them is in the situation of really liking someone or loving someone and using that as your justification for continuing to invest and invest and invest and invest to make it work. Long beyond the point where the evidence suggests that's a good idea for your mental health, for your time, for your energy, for your other relationships which suffer because this is poisoning you and you're miserable and you're giving your worst energy to everyone else in your life who can see that you're breaking down. But your singular mission right now is to get this person to love you back. And you, Lisa, I have heard this argument over and over and over again. Someone is going through. A breakup, and the other person has told them it's not, it's not. They don't want to make it work.、Mm. The other person's told them, "Oh, I just, you know, the classic is, I really love you. You're the love of my life." But if there's a but, why tell me the first sentence? The first sentence is irrelevant if there's a but coming. It's the shit sandwich, isn't it? It is, but it's this is for you. This is so you can feel like the hero on the way out. But when someone is exiting a relationship, when someone is saying they can't be with you, you have to be really honest with yourself and say, "Is okay? They're telling me that they can't be with me because whatever reason. But they're telling me how much they love me, 
and how they truly want to be with me, but they, they, I'm the love of their life. But you have to ask yourself, if I was them and I loved me the way they say they do, what would I be doing right now? What sacrifice would I be willing to make? What compromise would I be willing to make? And if they're not making that, then you have to say, they either don't love me as much as they're saying they do, or we have completely different standards for how much we're willing to fight for each other. Either one is bad. Either one doesn't speak to a situation where you should continue investing. But what people will do is they'll come to me and they'll say, Matthew, I'll say, why do you keep texting them back? You broke up. They keep reaching out, okay? Why is this relevant information? Are they reaching out saying, I made a giant mistake and I'm ready to invest on the level that you want me to? No, I mean, they're saying that they really miss me and that they really love me and that they're really sad. Okay, so zero information. Tell me what information that represents. Tell me what advancement that represents. Tell me what progress that represents other than just this phatic speech that's designed to elicit emotion without any form of progress, that is either because they're just deeply sad and they're too selfish to realize in this moment that this is hurting you to reach out this way and it's only good for them because they can still get their validation or that they want to check that you're still there. Mm. Are you still there? I mean, saying, I really miss you. Are you still there? Tell me, tell me firstly how that's loving towards you when they reach out to you. The problem is we get this message from this person and we go, oh, they're still thinking of me. Right, it gives you the chemical rush that makes you feel good about yourself. Lisa, it's like home. It's like home just came back. That's what it feels like. You, you're out in the wilderness, you're in the abyss again of being single, of the horrible wild west of dating that you didn't want to go back to of wondering when you'll meet someone that you have such a strong connection with again. And then in all of this darkness, home reaches out in the form of this blue light emanating from your phone and a set of letters that happen to form a name that you have mm -hmm. been conditioned to, to feel something when you see it on a Pavlovian level. You see that name on your phone and you can't help it. You're, it's anchoring at that point. You've, you're, your emotions are anchored to that name. But tell me how you reaching back out to him is a loving act. I don't get it. I, I, it's the, it you know, it's, it's out of love. I, I, I wanna, you know, what someone once said to me recently, but Matthew, I always wanna lead with love. And I said, so let's break that down. If that's truly your ethos, if that's your philosophy, let's break that down. Is reaching out to him, if, if either reaching out to him or replying to him, is that leading with love? Hmm. Your job first and foremost is to take care of you. That's your number one job in the world, is to take care of yourself, to look after yourself. No one, no one is gonna be responsible for that job to nearly the extent that you are in your lifetime. You are the only person who has always been there for you. You're the only person who has woken up with you every morning of your life and gone to bed with you every night. On the hardest nights in your life, in the most difficult moments in your life, 
Every time you were in your bedroom crying over something, every time you thought your world was ending, you were the only person that has been there every second mm. of every day for your entire life. Your job, your job, not because you're so special, but because it's your job is to look after yourself. And when someone is going mm -hmm. through a heartbreak and a guy or a woman keeps texting you and you keep responding out of this misguided sense of love, mm. you are deeply wounding every time the one person you're supposed to show more love to than anybody, the one person that you have custody over, that you, your mm. job in your life is to take care of. You're, you're wounding that person over and over again. And people do that in the name of love all the time. They are masochists to themselves in the name of love, I, but I love them. And it, it has to stop. And those feelings don't matter. I really believe your feelings about mm. someone, if that person can't deliver, mm -hmm. if they can't give you what you need, if they can't show up for you, your feelings towards them are irrelevant. What if you don't know if someone's got a growth mindset yet or not, and you start talking to someone about their past, and they say, well, it was my girlfriend, she was this, she was that. How do you know in those moments if he's actually seeing the situation correctly, or she, I shouldn't just say he, that they are seeing the situation correctly, or that they're not telling it with complete blinders over their eyes? Because you'd like to believe if someone says, well, look, this person was pressuring me, and I actually wasn't honest, I wasn't ready for a commitment. I told her I wasn't ready for a commitment and yet she just kept going. And so that's why we broke up. All right. If you told me that story, I'd be like, oh my God, I totally get it. I can't believe she tried to change you, right? That would be my instinct. But how do I actually know in those moments if it's true or if it's just his own blindness to the situation? Yeah. We have to be aware that when someone comes to us, they are giving us their version of events and we can't necessarily know if what they're saying is the truth of the matter or how blind they are. Sometimes people are lying and sometimes mm. they've blinded themselves to the reality of a situation. I But, think a lot of the time we well, I, do. I think for our emotional survival, we right. do that. Right, yeah, 100%. So that we can still feel like the good person in life. So we can escape our own self-loathing. Yeah. So we compartmentalize and we do all of those things. I can't stress this enough. We. Look, on a first date, your job is not to be a human lie detector. Yeah. Your job is to, to see if what they're saying aligns with the kind of person you're seeing in front of you. You know, they, they are playing the, you know, they say they're so kind and generous and whatever, but they're, they're, being, they're being mean to this poor waiter that's coming over mm -hmm. and being short with them and haven't got the time of day to even look them in the eye. And, and it's like, well, okay, your generosity isn't coming out in this moment. So you, you see a disconnect. Okay, I'm going to pay attention to that. I'm not going to ignore that. Maybe I'm not going to judge it too harshly, but I'm also not going to ignore that. So that's one thing. But over time, we have to pay attention to situations where something just feels wrong, where 
where we are noticing that even though this person is saying all of these things, they're saying the right things and they're making us feel a certain way in the conversation, but then actually the behavior you're noticing and the way you're feeling most of the time is really not good. We lose trust in ourselves in life. We doubt, we doubt ourselves. We say, maybe this is just me. Maybe this is just my insecurity. Maybe I'm, I'm being too difficult about this. And, and, and I think that's an argument for having people you trust around you who, who are willing to give you honest opinions mm. on things. I think there's a real argument for that, whether they come in the form of mentors or friends or, uh, you know, could be parents that just will give you the honest truth, not, an, not a biased truth, but will look at a situation and be like, that, the fact that this person is, is doing this is not okay. Mm -hmm. It actually is, you're right to feel like this is an okay behavior or that this feels disrespectful. It sounds like it is disrespectful. You need people around you who you can trust. But when you have people around you you can trust, this is really important. You have to give them the honest facts of the story. That's <laughs> so true. You can't do the thing. You can't go to, it's like oh, going to so a, a therapist and creating your own echo chamber with a therapist because you tell them all of the shitty things that the person you're dating is doing, but you don't tell them the crazy thing you did two days ago. You don't tell them, you leave out the message that started the whole conversation where you asked a question and said all of this stuff and accused <laughs> them of this. And you're like, you know, and so now mm. the, your friend, your therapist, your parent, your whoever is saying, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they said that. But the, you're leaving out details that allow them to have an objective situation. Mm. And so when you're worried that you're being disrespected or lied to, or that you should be wary, that someone could be conning you, firstly, listen to your own gut. But if you're finding it difficult to trust your gut because you're too close to the situation, and that happens to all of us at times in our life, make sure when you go to other people that you're not now doing a con mission on them. Be prepared to look, put all of your crazy on the table. All of the things that you're like, I can't tell them that. I always think to myself, when you have a good enough friend or therapist or whoever, you have to be willing to tell them the thing that you really want to leave out. Mm -hmm. What's the thing you really, you're like, I want to have this conversation, but I don't want to say this part. That's usually the part that will give you the most relief by saying. And clarity, I think. Yes. I love that so much. Also, how you say because you may repeat a story to your friends That's and you're right. not necessarily lying, but you don't say that you were a bitch when you said it. You said it harshly and you stared them in the eye with your, you know, yeah, whites yeah. of your eyes showing. Yeah, you could go, you could go. So I, so I said to them, listen, if this isn't going somewhere, let's just, you know, let's just call it a day. Yeah. But in reality, you were up in that person's face going, listen, right. if this, and you're like, you, you pass in a story, you go, so I just, you know, just <laughs> threw it out there. <laughs> I so love that you said that. Because here's the thing, while I laugh, it's like, what, we do this and it doesn't seem like a big deal. But your point being is that we have to adjust. If we really want to get to the root, if we want to improve, if we want to get in these relationships where we're not, let's say, you know, spending years and then realizing, oh my God, they're not committed. Now I've just potentially wasted this time is open your eyes, be honest, be that real with yourself about how you're acting. And then if you're yeah. saying it to a friend, be real because 
what is your goal? Like that's always I come back to, right? Am I going to my friend for an answer yes. or am I going for validation? Yes. And 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 if you if you're going to your friend for validation, you ain't growing out of that situation, and it's not coming closer to what you really want it to be. I mean, we can literally. This is the really dangerous thing. We can literally go to our friends and family and engineer the answers we want.、Mm-hmm. We're really good at it. You know, if I can have clients who really want to text a guy back deep down, this guy's been treating them poorly or basically been non-existent, but they really want to send him a message, and so. You know, I, I was speaking with a, a client recently who, the guy said in the context of going on another date, "Yeah, it'd be nice. We'll see." Not an interesting text.、Mm. Like, okay, well now let's redirect our attention. But she found a friend who looked at that message and decided it was a flirtatious message on his part,、mm. like as in he was saying. We'll see. Give me a reason to.、Mm-hmm. And so she was like, "So I realized, oh, he was trying to be flirtatious. So I texted him back, and it's like, whoa, 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 that's a jump. But it's a jump that you've enabled for yourself by you've looked for the one friend that tells you the thing you want to hear. That this wasn't, in fact, a weak, boring, non-committal message from someone who wasn't ready, didn't want to commit to another date. This was a guy flirting with you, and you should have flirted back. And now you need to text him back. And it's like we'll always look for justification for the thing that we want to do anyway. Right? Confirmation bias, right? Instead of looking bias, for、right? the answer that's actually going to make us happier. When you're out there trying to build and grow your business, but you have so much going on in other areas of your life, be it with your family or your romantic partner or your homies, whatever else you've got going on, you need to be using the best tools available to save time and. Actually, see growth in your company this year, right? And that's why, guys, I really recommend that you go and check out Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're just starting out, selling badass necklaces online, or scaling your high-end beauty products to physical stores, Shopify's got you. Covered, my homie, and their award-winning customer support is ready to help you at every step of your journey. Because let's face it, when you get stuck, you need help. Now, what I love about Shopify is that you can make the most of your time and sell more with less effort. Who doesn't love that? Now you actually have time for self-care, which, let's face it, is super freaking important. Now, with this built-in AI and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to take your business to the next level. It's actually no surprise, guys, that Shopify powers ten percent of all all e-commerce in the U.S. That's insane! So sign up for only one dollar a month trial period at Shopify.com/Lisa. All lowercase. Again, go to Shopify.com/Lisa. Now grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com/Lisa. There is so much confusion and conflicting information out there about what is. A healthy diet, right? But my rule of thumb, guys, is that if you focus on eating high-quality animal-based proteins rather than cheaper, over-processed meals with a ton of junk ingredients with long words that you just can't pronounce, then you'll immediately be surprised at how much better and how different you feel. That 
absolutely is how it was for me, guys, when I was recovering from crippling stomach issues that I wasn't able to eat much at all. And then I found ButcherBox. It was amazing because I could finally eat meat that didn't make me feel sick or bloated or just hunched over in agony. And guys, I'm telling you, never looked I am their biggest, most avid fan, and that's because ButcherBox's unbelievable high standard quality in their product is guaranteed. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers the highest quality meats and seafood ships directly to your door. Every month, you can let ButcherBox curate a box of high quality cuts for you, or you can actually customize, if you're like me and very picky, you can customize your box with the exact things and the cuts that you are looking for and prioritize your favorite stuff so guys it is actually easy to eat better this year with the best meat and seafood on the freaking planet delivered right to your door and butcher box is right now offering our listeners that's you guys your choice of a weeknight meal essential three pounds of chicken thighs two pounds of ground beef or one pound of premium steak tips for absolutely free in every order for a year Like, that's so insane. And I'm telling you, I'm so excited about this offer because I truly love the brand. Plus, actually, I got so excited, I forgot to tell you this. You get $20 off your first order. So just give it a try. Click the link in the show notes or go to butcherbox.com slash W-O-I and use code W-O-I to choose your free offer and get $20 off your order right now but i get why like it can be so crippling like even as you're breaking it down it's like well no wonder people fear making a move in the first place because they're like is it too much is it too little am i on it do i you know like it, it can be somewhat overwhelming where you get in your own head too much yeah, yeah, yeah. um where That's you're trying to decipher because texting is very difficult to decipher someone's tone for sure and even with so with tom and i he just he when he, we first started Quest, he was so freaking busy. Actually, sorry, before Quest, it was when I was a stay-at-home wife and he was at work. All day, every day, just chasing money. Um, that was like, just try and get as much money as possible so we can make movies. And he was miserable. He was doing it for eight years. He freaking hated it. And he was busy all the time. And so it got to the point where I was miserable. He was miserable. And when I would text him, I would get like, hey, dinner's ready at this time or whatever. I would text him. And he put K, the letter K. Now, I know he's stressed. And I'm stressed. I know he loves me and I love him, but that wasn't going to fly with uh-huh. me because I was like, I'm sacrificing so fucking much by not being with you, not spending time with you, uh, giving you so much space yeah. that you can go off and be an entrepreneur and I'm going to support you. But there's a line. And yeah. I was like, babe, this is the line. I'm your wife. Because he's like, well, well, it's just quickly. Like, he's in a rush. Like, so he just, t- and I'm like, I just need the O. Just give me the O. <laughs> Yeah. He was like, all right. So now he takes his okay. And I'm like, that's all I need. But K <laughs> to me, no matter how you shake it or bake it, interprets it as I'm a bother to you. Yeah. Okay doesn't. That's funny. But that, see, what determines, there's, there's two things that determine the strength of the relationship in that moment. One is the way you bring it up. Mm-hmm. And the other is the way that it's received. Mm. When you're able to bring it up, and this takes It's not easy. It takes confidence and it takes a standard for how we communicate. We have to have a Mm. standard for how we communicate because otherwise our demons take over. And you got the message, you got K and now you stew and you go, you know, it's like now I'm passively aggressive and when they get home, I'm cold, but we spend a whole dinner not knowing why. And, you know, at the end of dinner, someone's like, 
what is wrong? And you're like, nothing. <laughs> no progress can be made here. I'm laughing because it's so true. You've just shown for the last two hours that you're pissed and then they ask and it's like nothing. Right. And you've both had to just, it's almost, it feels like wasted time because it's like we could have been building right now. Instead, we've just been treading water and, and, and burning energy. And when you can say, babe, here's the here's thing, you send me K and I'm doing all of this and I and I it, I'm feel like, you know, I hope you agree, I'm making a lot of sacrifices and I'm doing a lot mm. and so on. And at the end of the night, when I'm looking forward to seeing you and you just write one letter in response to that, that that really isn't a nice feeling. Um, and it's, again, it's not about throwing in someone's face mm. at that point. All of the things you're doing is about saying, look, because I'm, you know, I hope you agree. Mm. I'm doing all of these things and, I'm, I, and I love doing those things for you. And I love making those sacrifices because it matters to me. But when you do that, it, it feels disrespectful. Now mm. you get to see what the relationship can be. Because if you can bring a beautiful frame of reference in the way that you communicate something, and then someone else says, oh my God, you're making such a big deal out of this. Mm. It's like, oof, okay. Well, it took some effort to phrase this compassionately and it took some effort to not let my demons take over and it took some effort to be this vulnerable with you. And you've met it by making me feel like an asshole or making me feel insecure, you know, insecure or making me feel crazy or that's an issue. Mm. That's an issue. And now a new issue has to be dressed. <laughs> yeah. Baby. What the way you're answering me right now is is newly hurtful because mm. I'm, you know, when you sent me that K, I was actually hurt, and I wanted to bring it up kindly to you and lovingly, and I feel like I'm not getting a loving response mm. in return. You now you see what response you get to that, yeah. And now you you see if this is a relationship that can make progress. All of these moments where you have friction are absolutely necessary. They're wonderful because they give you a moment to put another brick in the house of the relationship. Because we're going to have this conversation. It's going to be great. It's going to make us stronger. That's awesome. I always think that if for anyone who has anxiety about arguments in a relationship, oh my God, this argument's going to hurt us. How do I, I, I'm worried about it. I want to take it back. I've had that anxiety in the past. I'm like, you know, that feeling of self-hatred where you, I would give anything to take that argument back and then mm -hmm. it causes you anxiety. Why did I do that? Why did, all the, I, I am so proud in my relationship of the arguments that have happened that have enabled us to get closer. Yeah. That, Actually, it would have been very hard for us to get as close without those arguments. It's a really important thing to remember. So every time there's a moment where someone sends you the K, how, whatever form it comes in, mm -hmm. see this, this is a wonderful opportunity to see what kind of relationship I actually have. Do I have the kind of relationship I really think I have? Or is it going to be revealed to be something else? That's a great moment mm -hmm. to know that. Ladies, 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 I know sometimes you worry that you're not good enough. Trust me, nobody knows that better than me. I spent almost a freaking decade having my soul sucked out of my body, doing something that I didn't love. Finally, even though I was scared to freaking death, 
I decided I was going to go for it. And I've ended up building the life of my dreams, a life I couldn't have imagined because I realized that radical confidence is being afraid and doing it anyway. I wrote this book for you with 10 no BS lessons that you need to go from feeling stuck and frustrated to doing anything that you set your mind to. But in those moments, it does become tricky because, you know, in hindsight, it's always easy to say, oh, we dealt with it like this and we said it like this. But no, no, no. In those moments, in that moment, I felt so right. I'm like, who the fuck sends Kay to yeah, their yeah. wife? Right? Like, yeah. like in my head, I feel so justified. I'm yeah. like, there's no universe where a guy thinks sending Kay to his wife is a sweet and charming thing to do. Yeah. But I remind myself, there is no right or wrong. There literally is no right or wrong. If I know that he loves me, so do I think that he's doing it on purpose? No, so we just have a difference of an opinion. Mm, mm, mm. So in those moments, I want to come in and be like, hey, do you think, like, what? I can't believe you don't even put the O. But it's like, no, no, he's got a different perspective on it. Mm. So instead of saying, I can't believe you don't do the O, I come and say, this is how I feel, and I don't think that that's good, so I'd like to request just the extra O. Because I knew that... I wasn't, because I was, I was like, look, I'm not expecting the long line. I understand your position, right? So getting, I understand where you come from. Yeah. I understand why Which you do empathy, it. It's it's compassion. There's no malice yeah. there. I don't yeah. feel like it's malice, but it does come across this and being able to have that conversation like that. And, and look, let's say that you didn't do it that, like in a different world where you did go and just yell at him <laughs> because of that situation. That's okay too because you can recover at any point it's never too late to come to someone with compassion and vulnerability if you'd have done that you know how dare you send me a k when i'm doing all of these things for you whatever you can always have you come back to it later that night and you say listen i got angry because i was just actually quite hurt you know i felt like i do love doing all of these things for you and it makes me feel good to do them. But then it, I got scared when I felt like they weren't being valued. And, and, and when you said K, it made me feel like we were in an uneven situation, mm. in an uneven relationship where I'm doing all of these things, but I wouldn't be able to expect the same from you in return or the same level of respect in return. And that may not be true. That's always a good line. I might be reading that completely wrong, mm -hmm. but I wanted you to know that that's, that's where that came from for me. I stand by what I said about, you know, wanting more than that when you, re when you respond. But the way I reached out, I'm not proud. The way I said that, I'm not proud of. Um, but I wanted you to know where it was coming from. Every second that goes by is just another moment to, to show who you are, how much you love someone, what your boundaries are, what you believe in, what kind of relationship you want to create, um, and so, but every time we're hung up on a mistake we've made or, or, some, or something someone else has done or whatever, we're not, we're not living in the moment of what can be made beautiful now. Mm. I love that. Um, and when it comes to relationships and when it comes to um, making the right selection, because I do think kind of going back to what we were saying about if someone doesn't have a growth mindset, if they can't have these conversations, then sometimes it becomes, you know, a dead end. So when it comes to selection and you're choosing somebody to be with, how do you know if it's them 
if it's them and the timing, or if it's you and them together. I've I've come to believe that timing is timing is is pretty paramount、mm-hmm. to these things. There's wiggle room in there. You can be kind of ready,、uh, thinking that you know your life has shifted, and you meet someone who pushes you over the edge,、mm-hmm. and you go, "Wow, okay,"、uh, you know, and it, you evolve. You have a growth spurt a little quicker than you would have had if you hadn't met them.、Um, I don't have too much faith. In relationships where the timing is horrible and someone is absolutely not ready, and someone doesn't is is adamant against a relationship, and someone comes along to change their mind, and you don't think in those moments they should tell themselves, well, maybe it's just timing, and I should stay with them, because the, I think that that becomes a lot like, oh, well, maybe in a year or two when the timing is right for them. Well, firstly, you staying with them isn't going to make them more ready. <laughs> In in some ways, you stunt their development by staying with them. For a lot of people, it keeps them it it keeps them in that phase of not being able to work through the things they need to work through in order to become ready.、Mm. Now, look, that's fine if you're if you're a certain age where you're just enjoying being with someone and you're also willing to say, you know what, I I'm I'm happy to lose three years here. I'm I'm I, and I wouldn't see it as a loss because I just love this person and we're having a great time and if You know, if at the end of three years they're still not in a place where they're ready, I've got plenty of time to go and do the things. Do you I think people、do. actually say that, or do you think like, oh, it was three years, and then three years you're like, but I've spent this long. Yeah, like, the, there's the, that. This is called the sunk cost bias or the sunk cost fallacy. Right, pot committed. Yeah, we when we keep throwing good time after bad. The the fallacy is that. Because I've invested this much time and energy, I should. I now have to make it work. Th- that is the easiest way to throw away your life.、Uh, you you mustn't. You, I, I can't stress this enough.、Mm. People must not do this. You have to assume that what someone's telling you about what they want is the reality. If they're telling you they they don't want to get married, or if they're telling you they don't want kids, or if they're telling you that they still want to play the field, you have to have to have to take that at face value.、Mm. It, it doesn't matter how much you want the thing; it's not going to change because you want it more. Someone's not going to love you more because you love them more. It is a terrible, terrible wager that people make. People for whom it's the wrong time aren't even usually emotionally open enough、mm-hmm. to see the person in front of them for all that they are. You you don't you don't really know people because you don't really get to know people on that level. If you're not serious, if you're not genuinely looking to build something amazing, you can have a connection, you can have chemistry, you can even love a bunch of things about a person, but but you're not as invested. In knowing them, in their journey, in really building something deep together, and uncovering more about each other, and and being curious about the deepest parts of them, you 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 are closed off to a certain level of connection. So when you're with someone and you think they're in love with me, I'm in love with them, but they're just not ready. You're discounting 
the kind of relationship you would be in with them if they were a kind of person that was ready. It wouldn't, it would be different to the one you're in right now. You're convinced this is a relationship that has the depth you're looking for. But if you're with someone who's not ready, they're holding a piece of themselves back still that you don't even know they're holding back, that you can't even feel they're holding back. So let's just freaking dive right in. I want to ask, how on earth do we end up in relationships that we just settle for, but that we actually know deep down wasn't right to begin with? Ooh, there's, <laughs> there's so many ways to go with this. Um, first, the fear that we won't find better. You know, e even though we know it's not for us, even though we're not fully happy, you know, a lot, especially women. Women have been conditioned to believing that, well, all guys are trash and, and all guys are going to hurt you. And so better to deal with the trash, you know, than to put yourself out there for new trash to deal with. And so that leads a lot of women to settling, you know, um, as well as just validating the what's lacking in that relationship due to what they saw in their parents relationship. A lot of people saw their mothers settle, you know, saw, saw dysfunction in their in their childhood. And so now. I've seen situations where a woman has told herself, well, I still have it better than my mother, so I shouldn't complain. You know, I, I should just be happy that it's not as bad as she had it. You know, so much of a, a lack of healing causes people to settle. And it's just, a, it's just a horrible cycle that so many people are in. Can I just jump in on that thing that you said? Because that's so strong. Do you think that there's something about the fact that if we've had a dysfunctional relationship in the past or if we've seen it in our parents, that part of us doesn't necessarily know if there is going to be better. And so it's, I don't know if this is the best. So for instance, my ex-boyfriend, before I met my husband, he would tell me on the daily, you're never going to find someone that loves you as much as I love you. And I believed it. And so it was the fear of, can I even find better than him? So maybe it's better just to stay with him so that I don't end up by myself with nothing. Absolutely. And that's the thing. It's like women are settling for a piece of a man rather than hoping they can receive a whole man. And so, you know, they'll deal with the, the nonsense. Not to mention, you have a lot of women who are surrounded by other women who also accept settling. So essentially, I always tell women, if you go to another woman and ask her, should I stay or should I leave? and she has held on to a relationship that she doesn't belong in, she's gonna tell you to stay because she has to validate why she's still there. She can't tell you to leave when she couldn't look at herself in the mirror and take that step. So, so many people are being given bad advice and, and like you said, uh, been brainwashed in various ways. As your example, it may have been their partner who drilled it in their head, you won't find anything better. And they really start to believe that and it's just, it gets too scary to take a chance, so to speak, on putting yourself out there, being alone again, and hoping you can find better. Yeah, God, that's amazing. Okay, so let's start unpacking all of this. Where do we need to start from, right? Because there's different elements. There's somebody of making the choice now, they're single, they're trying to find someone that they you know, want to fall in love with. So what are the, I'd like to go over the fundamentals that you believe that every single relationship must have. Um, to give us that fighting chance, if you will. What do you think are the absolute fundamentals that a relationship needs that you've never heard of any successful relationship ever working out without these things? Okay, so one, and let me first, uh, to put it in proper context, 
When we say successful, I want people to understand staying together does not equate success. A happy, fruitful relationship equates success, all right? So you see a lot of people who deal with the damage, are miserable, but they're still in the relationship. Let's not, you know, congratulate that. Let's not glorify that in any kind of way. So now that we understand it's about fruitful, happiness, purpose in that relationship, the number one thing is healing. Having to heal from your past. I think most people, even if they got in their relationship without healing first, at some point had to do the work if they were going to survive and be able to stay together. They weren't going to be able to push it all the way through and, again, be happy, fruitful, purposeful without healing. And so much of the dysfunction that we experience in our relationships stem from previous experiences, whether that be childhood, a previous relationship. There's always something that we're dragging into that relationship. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that because of the whole boyfriend-girlfriend dynamic, we've made it harder on marriage. Because by the time people even get to someone that they could marry, They've been beaten down so much emotionally that some people don't have the energy and willingness to fight at that moment. And it seems too scary because the person that you is truly best for you makes you feel more vulnerable than anyone else will. And so now, if you are still holding on to trauma, you are more than likely going to run from that, sabotage that. Like you, you have got to really have a strong support system to even weather that storm if you have yet to have uh, heal. So healing is huge, huge part of it. Um, the other foundation I would say is finding and loving yourself. You know, the reality is if you don't know who you are, then you don't know who belongs in your life. You, you don't know who's the right fit. You don't know who you align with properly as you move forward. And so too many people are dating or establishing relationships, trying to be something they're not or not tapping into their true self. And so now you get this, and to put it in the context of women, you get this guy to fall for you, but who he fell for is not a woman you can sustain because you're not really that woman. And so now at some point, the true colors come out, he gets mad, you're frustrated with him, and now the whole thing blows up. So better to save yourself that headache by being your true authentic self from the jump and then see who's the guy who truly embraces that and loving yourself because without loving yourself, you are more than likely going to settle. You are more than likely going to accept dysfunctional relationships. You're going to entertain and tolerate men who don't belong in your life. So it's important to not just know yourself, but love yourself as well and be confident in knowing that, listen, the, the true you is going to be embraced by a man who truly loves that woman, you know? And so you don't have to try to fit into everyone else's box. But let me add to when it comes to knowing yourself and loving yourself, that doesn't mean accepting a flaw as if it can't be correctable, all right? It isn't, oh, well, I just have a bad attitude or I'm just super blunt. No, you're rude and you're <laughs> negative, okay? Like, don't don't play this. Or that's just how I am. No, that's a correctable issue that needs improvement. So let's identify what are the actual flaws that need to be corrected versus who we are. So and just to put it, give an example, who you are may be a woman who loves nature, 
You love to go outside. You like traveling. That's who you are. But again, that bad attitude, that's who you became because you haven't resolved past trauma, because you haven't flushed out the negative energy from your spirit. So recognize the difference between who you are and who you become due to all these outside influences or negative influences. And so the the last thing I would say, and, and we can name a lot of different things, but the biggest foundational piece after that is connection. And I believe that, again, I'm a firm believer that women know connection, but unfortunately they, they throw it out the window when they see something that they like or when they want a reason to hold on to something that they don't belong in. So essentially it's down, like- Break those two down because those were super powerful. <laughs> All right. So what, when it's something that you like, so for example, women know, and, and, and to give some context to connection, to me, that is a deeper spiritual occurrence. It's like your spirit recognizing its match. And it's that person you can truly be yourself with, be vulnerable with. It's, it's a next level type of vibe, type of energy. Because again, we can meet a lot of people we like. We may love a lot of people. We do not feel a connection with everybody. All right. That's a very unique experience. And women, again, because you guys are so in tune emotionally, spiritually, like women have a great uh, sense of or a great ability to sense, to feel things. So you guys can feel when that connection is there, when it's not. But now she meets a guy and let's say his resume is exactly what she wanted. Let's say just to give an example, he's, he's successful. He's tall. He looks great. An amazing guy on paper. And this woman says, oh my gosh, I cannot pass this up. I want this. And so even in your interaction with him, the connection is not there. But your desire for him is so strong, you're just falling for the, the, the hype in the moment. Okay, all the smoke and mirrors right now. But once that goes away, you're not going to be happy here. And then in regards to ignoring it when it's something that you want to hold on to and not leave, again, it goes back to women being in those relationships where they're settling, where, where they know this guy's not for them. They now ignore the fact that they know a connection does not exist because, again, the fear of being alone, the fear of starting all over, uh, the fear of aging. Th let's be real. A lot of women, due to the fear of aging, uh, rush into relationships and hold on to men that don't belong in their lives. And so all these different fears causes her to try to rationalize past connection. And even more, uh, more importantly, she rationalizes past her intuition. Because in knowing connection for women, they know their intuition. They know their intuition is saying, this guy's not it. But they want so bad to make this work. So they give themselves all the reasons to push forward anyway. Oh my God, I love that so much. And I heard you say that um, connection cannot be built and connection cannot be destroyed. It's one of those you either have it or you don't. Can you take me through that? Because I think people, and I've also heard you say people try to rationalize the, the connection on if they don't necessarily have it and why they're with somebody. Um, and so explain to me that on like why we can never rationalize it. And then also how we rationalize our intuition that's telling us that we should be settling. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So now with connection being there or it's not. So again, there's a couple ways to look at this one for anyone who's spiritual, you know, there's a belief that says things happen in the spirit before they happen in the physical. Okay. And so if that is a true, a, a true dynamic, 
then it would make perfect sense that the connection already existed. There is, it, it didn't come about physically first. It existed in the spiritual. And again, that's why I said it's our spirits recognizing the match, recognizing that person it can uh, bond with, so to speak. And so there's that aspect of it, but also the fact that if you sit down and you speak to people who have experienced connection, the story is always the same. It's always this something that they felt very quickly. It didn't take months, years for them to figure it out. It was very initial, you know, first maybe conversation, first day, first week. It was very in the beginning. And again, these people could have stories where they fall apart because having a connection doesn't guarantee two people are going to be together because there's so many things that throw the situation off. But these people could fall apart. It could be 10, 20 years. They come back together and it's like they never stop talking. There's nothing that you can do to change that. You can run from it. You can be in denial of it, but it's still there, you know? And, and so when we try to rationalize past connection, well, unfortunately, society has taught us or taught many people to have relationships for business purposes, to have relationships just for the sake of family structure. And not saying that these things don't play a role, but they don't teach people about connection, you know? Even when people come to me and say, well, arranged marriages are the way to go because they have such a low divorce rate. And I'm like, listen, have you ever sat down with women in arranged marriages? <laughs> I, I can tell you, I've seen communities of them where they look like their spirit is gone, where they're not happy. Now, I'm not saying that's every arranged marriage, but what I'm saying to you is you can't force two people together and think it's just gonna be happy and great. Yes, they may find a way to manage and cope, but I am not here to encourage people to just tolerate a relationship. I want two people to flourish within a relationship. And that means getting with that person that you truly connect with. And so a lot of people just don't understand the concept. It's foreign to them and many have yet to experience it. So it's very hard to fully grasp this when you haven't been hit with it yet. But anyone who's experienced connection this resonates with them. I say it's like having an orgasm for a woman. It's like once you had it, you know. <laughs> I can't there ain't really no going explain. Back, There's no going back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like when it happens, you're gonna know. Plain and simple. Yeah. All right. And 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 now, which brings me to the rationalization past intuition. What happens now is women confuse intuition and fear. All right. And they allow fear to overrun their intuition. Now, I explain to women, listen, the difference between fear and intuition is that fear requires logic. Fear requires you to analyze. Well, I can't do this because I might, you know, this might happen. I can't take this jump because I might fall. I can't invest here because I might go broke. It's the logic that's making you fearful of the, the negative consequences. Intuition requires no logic. Intuition is independent of any facts. You can be in a room, the whole environment can look great, and something in you, in your spirit says, leave, you don't belong here, you need to go, something is wrong. That's intuition. And so what happens with a lot of women is, they might meet this man, they might feel this connection, but now the analyzation comes in. Now the, the, the logic of, well, wait a minute, what if he's just playing games? What, what if I'm wrong? I've been wrong about these men before. How can I trust this guy? All of this starts to overrun them, and now they allow that to pull them out of the situation or to sabotage it. 
because they can't allow themselves to believe it. And again, that that also stems from that lack of healing that has now contaminated their thinking. And that's why I tell women or I encourage women, stop analyzing, start feeling. A woman's power is in feeling. Like, just quiet yourself for a second, visualize the moment, visualize what's going on, and tell me what you're feeling. Because when you start to get in your own head, women will drive themselves insane getting inside their own head and coming up with all these different possible conclusions. No, what do you feel? What do you sense? Because I've yet to find a woman who says her intuition is wrong. So the key is we need to learn how to remove the fear, tap into the intuition and walk confidently in it. I love that because you, you're you not just saying feel it because there is something to like, right? The intoxication of love or the intoxication of attraction. You know, if you're just like, okay, I feel it. Oh, I'm really turned on by him. And then you go into it. But there's a big difference between that and then sitting and listening to your gut intuition. Okay. So let's, let's assume someone's found the connection and they've gone through it and they've analyzed, they've analyzed, but they've also allowed themselves to feel that, um, you know, in, in touch with their, um, intuition and everything seems great. And you really believe this one's this is the right person. And then you get into the relationship and then five, 10 years down the line, you end up being completely splintered. What are the hurdles that you find in your practice that you, when you, you know, speak to people where people just like, they keep stumbling over these things and this is what ends up splintering the relationship five or 10 years down the line. Okay. Number one, a lack of emotional maturity. So, what I have found is with men and women, we have not learned how to manage our emotions. And especially in today's society, it has become even more reactive. People get offended, they react. People see something, they react. There is no processing, there is no taking a step back. So now when you, when you act that way within a relationship, imagine your partner does something, you could interpret it wrong, you react, you now say something hurtful in that moment because you're mad. You don't really mean it, but that's how you felt in that moment. Now they're hurt by it. Now they're damaged. Now they retaliate. And then boom, the cycle goes from there. And, and what we have to understand is, especially within relationships where two people have a connection, this is the person who can hurt you the most and make you the happiest. That, that's the, the, the scary thing about it. It's like they have the power in a sense to crush you, but to make you feel like no other person can. And so I always say the person that a woman loves most has the least room for error. So like when you see relationships where a woman is constantly being mistreated, but she keeps going back to him and she says, well, cause I love him. No, you don't love him. You have an unhealthy attachment to him. Your ability to continuously take that mistreatment and that toxic behavior and go back to him shows me it's not love. When we're loving someone and we're really into them, one little mistake can hurt like no other. And again, going back to the emotional maturity, if you don't learn how to not just react, how to communicate before we assume, before we come to our own conclusions, that can easily derail the relationship. So I definitely think a lack of uh, emotional maturity. I also think lack of healing. Lack of healing is going to always be uh, a thorn in the side of relationships, all right? Because again, sometimes our partners do things that trigger us, but that trigger stems from past trauma we haven't resolved, all right? 
and they're not even aware sometimes of what they did or how it's in, uh, impacting us. And so if we don't learn how to let go of our past traumas and issues and hurts, we run a high risk of things going left in that relationship, especially with someone we have a connection with. And like I said, the person you have a connection with, everything's magnified. So it's going to hit harder with them. So the third thing is unrealistic, unrealistic expectations of people and our partners. And what I mean by that is this idea of, it's like you said, uh, someone meets a connection, they think, okay, we're good now, we're going to succeed. No, 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 no. You're still two human beings. You are still two people who can fall short at any time, at any day. If we don't give grace to each other, we are going to have a big problem here. We've got to recognize the difference between the person who does not belong in our life and continues to do wrong and the person who does belong in our life but makes mistakes. Right. Okay? Yes. And, and so once we know, listen, we have a connection. I know that I want to go through the storms with you. You're the person that I'm supposed to be with. Now let's remember that in our moment of struggle. Because again, everyone's going to make a mistake. You're, you're going to do something, especially the longer you've been together, you're going to mess up some way, somehow. You may say something you shouldn't have. You may insult them in a way, you know, something, something. It happens, but there needs to be grace and understanding. We are human beings. We're going to fall short. We got to embrace that forgiveness always with our partner. And again, communicate. And that's the other thing. Communication would be the other pitfall. A lack of proper communication can derail any situation. And so you've you got to be willing and establish very early on a willingness and an, a, a safe space for both partners to be able to talk about anything. We should not have to hold on to how we're feeling with each other because if we do, that is a recipe for disaster. Wow, oh my God, I love this so much. And I've wanted to talk about it for a while. So you were literally the perfect person. So you, you said that a problem sometimes in long relationships is you are not maintaining who they fell in love with. Mm. Dude, I was screaming when I heard you say that. Break that down on what that means and let's dive deep. Okay. So one, let me say that that whole premise started with a long time ago, I was having a discussion about monogamy. And you know, there are people out there who argue monogamy isn't natural. And I've always argued, no, monogamy actually is natural. If it was unnatural, then we wouldn't even be able to embrace it for a period of time. And when you examine relationships, you realize that most people are able to go a year, two, three, five, whatever, being completely monogamous and being happy. But then at some point, there tends to be a fall off with most people. So I said, okay, the issue is not monogamy, it's maintaining monogamy. And the reason why we struggle to maintain monogamy is because we don't maintain who they fell in love with. And so essentially you have these situations where people in the beginning are bringing their best selves or at least bringing a best version of something, okay? And we, we can't act like physical attraction is not a serious part of romantic relationships. Plain and simple. It, it is the actual, the final ingredient. Like if, if we didn't need physical attraction, there would be a lot of friends getting together right now. <laughs> yes. Okay, plain and simple. <laughs> but the, and the only thing that stops them is you're not attracted to them like that. So now when you have physical attraction that helps bring two people together, 
And then you have one or more parties saying, well, it should not matter for me to have to maintain myself. What do we expect to see happen? And you'll hear a lot of these couples say, well, the flame is gone. In most of those cases, the flame left with the attraction, plain and simple. But there was something in the beginning that made it good enough or, or, or strong for those people to be happy. And, and again, it's not just the physical part, it's the emotional part. It, it's how we talk to each other, how we treat each other. We have to get back to where things were good. So whenever someone says to me, how do we get the flame back? I say, what was in place when the flame was there? What was, what was going on at the time when everything was feeling good? We have to identify all the factors. How were you two looking? How were you two treating each other? Everything. And now let's do our best to recreate that environment. And you will see a huge difference in your relationship. I love that so much because, so I've been with my husband now for 20 years. We've been married for 18. And this is something we talk about a lot. We, we don't um, expect to have the same amount of fire or electricity that we did when we were first met. I think if you do a brain scan of someone that's just met there, it looks like they're on drugs, right? Because they're so intoxicated with the love potion. Um, also want to add that there's something as you were talking, I was like, you know what? Like if it was me and I was letting myself go, I don't think like for Tom, it would even be the the visual change. It would be that that would have a knock-on effect on how I show up every day. So I think I would be less confident. I think I would feel, be more insecure. So it's not about just the, like if we're talking about looks for a second, where it's like people have just kind of let themselves go and they're like, ah, I've been in a marriage for 20 years. He just needs to love me for who I am. I've never done that or said that ever because it's not just about the, I attraction to the physicalities. It's how you show up. Tom loves it that I'm a bit of a badass and I don't take shit from him when he gives it to me, right? And so it's like, but now imagine I show up and I'm super insecure and I'm very um, in, um, very sensitive because I don't feel good about myself, right? So now it's not just, hey, I've changed physically. It's as an interaction where he likes to tease me and I'll give him one back, right? And we have like this banter. But now imagine he teases me and I get insulted and I'm all upset and I'm more sensitive. So it really does have this massive knock-on effect that people think is superficial because it's like, oh, they don't have the six-pack abs that you fell in love with, let's say. And it's like, it's not about that. It's about everything that you just said and I just encapsulated. Like, it's so strong and people don't talk about it. People don't talk about it enough because they get defensive. Absolutely. And, and that's such an awesome point because it reminds me of another situation where uh, this one woman, she did gain weight. Husband had no problem with it. But what would happen was she became insecure in the bedroom where she did not want to have sex because she didn't like the way she looked. And even though he would tell her, you're beautiful to me, I still, I don't have any problems with this. She had an internal conflict. So like you said, it, 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 it goes beyond the physical as the impact it will now have. And I don't think people understand how much when we deviate from that person, how much that now affects us in all areas of our life. And, and again, now, are you that energetic woman anymore? Are you positive anymore? And that's why it's about not just how you look, but how you treat them, how you talk to them, the energy that you bring to the table. All of that needs to be maintained if we want to see this relationship continue to thrive and get even better. 
Mm-hmm. And I know, at least just from my husband, these are things that make him confident, right? Like that when he feels mm. good about himself and when he feels good about himself, he's in a good mood. So like everything has this knock-on effect that even in the reverse with a guy, I think that the insecurity would come out and the, yes. um, you know, oh, well, you look at him because they're insecure about themselves. Yes. Or they're not, they're not satisfying their, per- their woman. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the last thing I want to add to that is there's a lot of people who say, well, I would never leave somebody if they let themselves go physically or whatever. The problem is, yeah, you stayed, but you don't touch them the same. You don't talk to them the same anymore. You don't respect them the same anymore. Your treatment of them has deviated because the attraction, and, and, and again, especially for women, attraction encompasses more than physical. Like if he doesn't, if you loved his ambitious drive and that ambitious drive is gone now, that's going to impact your attraction to him. And so staying with him, you don't get an award for staying if you can't still bring your best. If you're not going to still pour into your partner the same, then you can't, you can't think it's a good thing. Like I'll hear even men say, well, I wouldn't leave her. Okay, great. But will you still love her the same? And when I say love her, will you still pour into her the same? If you will, great. But if you're going to deviate from that, we still have a problem. So true. But how do you then go about having that conversation? So let's say uh, my audience is primarily female. So let's assume a female has a husband or a partner that hasn't got that drive anymore as part of what they fell in love with him. You know, he really loved, um, you know, going to the gym so he can pick her up and be strong for her or whatever it is. And slowly, slowly over time, he's let go of the drive. He's let go of his uh, whatever it is that we fell in love with him for how do you even approach that in a way where that the the, your partner can still feel loved can still hear hey i love you but everything's an improvement like how do you even approach that and then how do you help them or in fact do you help them okay so a few angles to cover one if you are not in a relationship yet this is where you need to understand establish this kind of dynamic as early as possible we have to have discussions while we're getting to know each other and dating how about how we're going to handle a scenario like this. I really believe people don't dive deep enough into each other and, and visualize, okay, how are things going to look if we're in a relationship together? How do we handle this kind of scenario? Let's talk about all these things, but let's establish that, hey, if we're unhappy with something, we should be allowed to talk to each other about it and not be offended. We have to be willing to listen to constructive criticism on both ends. Now, if you're already in the relationship and you have not established this, the the best way, because there's no easy way, but the best effective way, in my opinion, would be via a letter. And the reason why is because if you come to them verbally, number one, verbal communication of deep concerns, issues, feelings tend to not go well. People get defensive. They deflect. You can get distracted. You may not get everything out. So much can go wrong that can derail the purpose of the conversation, all right? Some people end up talking for an hour and never got to the root of the issue that they were supposed to talk about, okay? Whereas via a letter, you're able to get everything out. You're able to check your tone to to make sure that you are also adding love to the criticism. So you don't want to just say, listen, I think you've fallen off. And I don't like the direction this is going. You got to start with saying, listen, I love so-and-so. Like it's a compliment sandwich, so to speak. 
and open yourself up to theirs as well. You you got to come in because the, the one thing I learned with relationships is, or one of the things I've learned is that people don't like to be singled out. Mm-hmm. No one likes to be told they're the partner with the issues. They're the partner that fell off. So you want to be able to come in and recognize, okay, you know what? Maybe there's some things I need to improve or I'm open to hearing any issues that you may have that you haven't expressed. But I want to make sure you understood where I stand and how I'm seeing things. All of these uh, pieces of it will help soften it to where they can receive it more. All right. But I have to say this. And some people may not like this, but I'm going to have to say it anyway. I love how honest you are. I even said it in my intro. That's like so exciting for me. I want the no BS, Stefan. Absolutely. So I I believe that in a lot of cases, I'm going to say most cases, where people let themselves go, again, whether it's in treatment, physically, whatever, and especially if they know it's an issue for their partner or more specifically when they know it's an issue or having an impact, it's a sign that you're just not in love with that person. It's a sign that there may not be a connection there. And the reason why I say that is because of this. You find a woman, and, and, and let's please understand the difference between going through a rough patch versus we just don't care. And it's probably been years, all right? And we're not doing anything about this. Women who are into their man want to look good for that man. And if how they're looking or, or letting themselves go is having an impact on this man that they, they you know, value so much, they'll want to do something about it. Many women, when they don't care, is because they don't look at him like that. It's the same way with men where... When a man's with a woman he loves, he's inspired. There's this natural inspiration, this fire that's in you because of this woman where you want to go harder for her. You want to accomplish more also for her. She is part of your drive, okay? When that's non-existent, then I do have to question, were you really in love? Now, I'm not, again, nothing's 100%. It's exception to every rule. But from the situations I've seen, it's rare to find a couple who lets themselves go, doesn't care, know what's having an impact on the relationship, and the relationship is not healthy and happy, but yet you're telling me you guys are in love with each other and there's a connection. Oh, Stefan, okay, so I'm going to push back here. All so, right. <laughs> what, but why, why do you think that that's the case? Because for me, I would actually go to, there's something going on with them. They're insecure, they're losing their self, self-esteem, they're losing their confidence, and things are happening to them where they're not prioritizing it. And then it becomes a, I'm struggling right now, and so... They just need to love me, right? They need to love me for how I am. But it's interesting that you perceive as it's about them versus about the person that's going through the emotion. So this is why I I want to make sure I said there's a difference between going through that rough period, which I do think people go through. Like we all go through moments where we may be a little depressed. We may have lost motivation. We don't have the same energy. We're going through some things. I think all of that is understandable. And that's why I wanted to make sure I added like an example where it may be years because people who are truly into each other, who love each other, we're going to have our rough patches, but we're going to be able to get through that and get to something better. When you remained in that and there's no desire to push past that, there's no attempt to work through this. 
That to me says, no, this is not struggle. This is no motivation whatsoever from the fact that this person doesn't inspire you. And, and, and consider it like this. To a woman, it's like, well, why should I go ahead and, and hit the gym for a man who doesn't even listen, who a man who doesn't even talk to me anymore, who doesn't treat me the same? So again, his lack of pouring into you keeps you unmotivated. All right. Same way I've seen some men who feel like, well, why should I do anything about it? She doesn't have sex with me anyway. She doesn't listen to what I say. I don't get any respect in this house. Why should I be better for her? But again, so that speaks to, is there really love here? And, 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 and to be honest with you, I want to say this. The majority of people are not with the person they most love. The majority of people are not with they have a connection with. So it's not surprising to me when I see this dynamic happen all the time. And again, show me two people who have a connection. Show me two people who truly love each other. And I'll show you two people who at some point will fight through and get back on track. And if, if not even not fall completely off track when it comes to maintaining themselves for their partner. You know what I'm saying? Like they have a different fuel that allows them to thrive and push past Whereas when that connection's not there, it's like, man, forget them. I don't mm. care. God, I love how raw you are about your feedback <laughs> because it really, like, I just want to know the truth, right? Once we know the truth, then we can assess. But a lot of people do, um, you know, they protect their own emotions because they don't want to feel badly about themselves. And for me, I always go back to what's the goal? Like, what's the goal in my relationship? Is the goal for me to always feel great? Or is the goal for us to always get through issues and keep connecting? Because let me tell you, I didn't know any relationship where you, you have that real talk and you always feel great. Like, you don't feel great because you're assessing the things that you may have done wrong, the things that you you've maybe let go of. And I made it a point maybe about five years ago that I turned to my husband and we made this list of questions. When we'd go on vacation, we'd just ask each other a bunch of questions. And there was one question that I found so powerful for myself. And it, I asked him this on Valentine's Day, in fact. I said, what's the thing that I used to do for you that I've stopped that you wish I started doing again? Mm, that's an awesome question. Now, here's the thing. It, he's going to say things that may upset me, right? It's like, oh, you used to do, right? like, you used to do this for me and you used to do this for me. And so in going into that, I said to myself, in asking this question, I need to be very open to the answer because it's gonna, it may upset me. Okay, well, if it upsets me, then why am I asking the question? I'm doing it because my goal is to make sure that I have a long lasting, happy, successful relationship. And so once I've kind of told myself why I'm doing it, I then, my, my guard gets down. And then also, like you said, it gives me an opportunity for him to then ask me. So I've asked him and he's like, okay, babe, what's the thing that you wish I now start doing? And because I've left myself open to that, I now have the space to be able to tell him. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you see how when him now putting himself out there in the same way, like that makes things so much easier. When both parties are willing to be open to the criticism, that makes both parties more receptive to it. And it helps. No one wants to be the only one saying, well, you're wrong. You need to do this. And then we end it there. It's like, no, let's share with each other what we can be doing better, how we can be making each other happier. That should always be the goal. And, and I honestly think like people should have relationship checkups. So, you know, you said you do it on vacations, whether it be maybe once every three months or six months or once a year. At some point, we need to sit down and have an understanding that this is the day that we sit down and get everything out. 
what's missing, what needs to return, you know, what needs to be adjusted. If we kept doing that, I really believe you would see more relationships succeed. Stefan, I love that idea. There should be like a, a plan of like, all right, on this day, every six months, because if you set it up ahead of time when there's no problem, now mm. there's not that like, oh God, he wants to talk to me. What's wrong? Oh my God, yes. right? Like that panic. So if you just go every six months, we agree, we're going to have a, meet, a meeting and we're going to sit down kind of like what you do with the business, right? You go over the P&L, you go over the data, you see what's working, you see what doesn't. I love this idea. And here's the other part of that psychologically that happens. You know how at work, if you know your review is coming up, you tighten up because you don't want to walk into that review knowing you have things that you've been missing. So if we know we have the relationship checkup coming up, people will start to naturally tighten up because nobody wants to come in being the one who wasn't doing their job. So it has a positive impact in a, on a various levels. Oh my God, I love that so much. That was hilarious. Um, and there's one thing actually that I also want to touch upon that you said is when I take care of myself, when I put on my knee-high boots and when I put on lacy underwear, I feel a different way. And so... I do it for myself, right? Like I obviously do it because I like the way my husband looks at me, you know, when I'm wearing that outfit, but it goes back into once I start to go, what makes me feel good? And then I show up by feeling good, then it has that knock on effect. So not just thinking I'm dressing this way for him. It's like, I'm dressing this way for me to feel good about myself so that then we can get together. And you know what? And I'm glad you brought that up because that that is a very important part. And this is where I think it, it kind of goes with the connection in the sense that we this is where people have to be their true selves. So for I'll use me, for example. I like a woman that likes to look good. I've come to the realization that not every woman cares to have to do the whole dressing up and nails or whatever. Some women don't care for that. That's not their thing. And so now, if, if we get together not being honest about who we are and what we like, we, we have this mismatch to where now I'm trying to get you to dress up and that's not really what makes you feel good. However, if we have that connection or we're on the same page and now you enjoy looking good, I enjoy you looking good. Now it's easy because when you make yourself look good for you, I still benefit because we're on the same page here. We wanted the same things, you know, and I think this is where people have to recognize, okay, uh, yes, we, we, we have to make sure we are creating that happiness within us because that's what's going to pour out to our partners and to our lives. But we also want to make sure that we're with partners that align with us. All right. That embrace what we embrace. So now to maintain and sustain those things, as we talked about earlier, maintain the person they fell in love with becomes so much easier because I love that person too. So the person you love, I love. <laughs> okay. Now we're good. But if I don't love being this person, but you want me to be that, now we have this huge disconnect and things won't work in the long run. Working to be confident and freaking badass can be very difficult. Now, I get it, guys. I get it. Kicking ass and taking names takes energy. But when it comes to micronutrients, you're like, wait, how much vitamin B do I need? It can be a daily freaking struggle to figure out and meet that perfect nutrition balance that you need to feel strong, focused and 
energized, which of course are all the things you need to become a freaking confident badass. So it's time to arm your body with every nutrient it absolutely deserves with AG1. Now, if you're a long-time listener, you might know that I've actually been supporting AG1 for many years now. And that's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. So if you want to take ownership of your life, That actually means you have to take ownership over your health. And it all starts, guys, with AG1. So guys, go and try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go now to drinkag1.com slash Lisa. That's drinkag1.com slash Lisa. Go check it out. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What up, my homie? First, I just want to actually thank you. Like from the bottom of my heart, sincerely, absolutely thank you for your support, your support for me, your support for the show, Women of Impact. Like you have no actual idea how much this really means to me when I had that original vision of what I wanted to do and no one was listening. So thank you. Thank you for being here and actually supporting other women along this journey. And I'm going to be honest, if you actually want to level up your confidence game, my homie, then check out Women of Impact's subscription channel. It's specifically designed to help you in every aspect that you're looking for. Now, here's what you get. You get new episodes delivered ad-free. You get exclusive access to listen to Women of Impact roundtable discussions, weekly motivation, previously unreleased episodes, and that's just the beginning. Subscriber only access to an additional four podcasts with hundreds of archived Women of Impact episodes meticulously, meticulously curated into theme playlists and updated weekly so that you get the dose that you need. So if you're looking to boost your confidence, then go and check out the Get Confidence playlist. If you want to repair, heal or start a relationship, then go check out Love Lab. And if you're wondering how you get your health back on track so that you can keep showing up to have the confidence that you're looking for, then go check out Health Hub. And of course, this wouldn't be complete without my weekly boost of mini motivations from moi. That's right. It will have you strutting down the street with your head held high, feeling like a freaking badass. And guess what the playlist is called? the badass boost of course so guys don't settle for mediocrity when you can absolutely be extraordinary 
So guys, subscribe to Women of Impact channel today on Apple Podcasts or Supercast. But no matter where you're listening, guys, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music or any other platform, make sure you're following so you don't miss out on other episodes. And don't forget to check out the show notes for more information on this episode, our incredible sponsors and upcoming events.